0: And welcome to Black Ice Podcast by Kirk Kennedy. This is the Kirk Kennedy Podcast via kirkkennedy.substack.com. As you know, these will be just podcastettes. Or if you think of a podcast, it's like an hour long or two hours long. These will be anywhere from five to 20 minutes. Just some thoughts often connected to articles that I've wrote or that I'm thinking about writing, or just random thoughts that I don't feel like writing an article about, although this one I probably will, but I want to just, I want to just, can we just have an honest conversation about church hurt? And this, I, I want to say some things. I want to talk to two different kinds of people in this this church hurt, and not just church hurt, but the the church hurt that people are leaving christianity for like leaving the actual faith because they've been hurt in the church can we just have an honest conversation about this for a second i i have to be honest and say that i have some concerns related to all of the stuff that i'm saying whether it's from christian rappers who people were who thought they were solid christian worship band leaders or whatever whatever it is whoever it is right the reality is, is there's, a, there's a, a real sense that people are and have been hurt by people in the church, whether it's members of the church or people in leadership, elders, whatever it is, it's a reality. So I'm not trying to deny that there's a reality. But I do just want to say a couple of things. First, to the people that have been hurt by others that are leaving the church. I just want to offer two thoughts. And I'm not, this isn't, trying to be insensitive at all, but I just want to say a couple of things. One thing is like, you know, everyone that has been hurt in the church, that is a high probability that you have hurt people in the church. And how do you process that? Like, how do you think through that? I, I, you know, I think it's almost relatively impossible to be in relationship with any group of people and not offend them and be offended by them. And I don't even mean like intentional just plotting against them, but just even just presumptions, making or just or just claims or judgments or whatever it is. Because we're we're sinful at heart, like our disposition is to kind of think we're we define good and evil on our terms, we often are gonna clash with other people. It is highly likely that the people that you, if you're one of those people, or people that have been church hurt, have also hurt others in the church. And one of the things that I find that's missing from all of the leaving Christianity church hurt is I never hear those people apologize for or talk about the people that they've hurt. It almost seems like that they've just considered themselves to be innocent victims to a band of self-righteous, non-God-glorifying Christians And yet they are the ones that are trying to do the right thing, a la Spike Lee, right? I never hear those people say, hey, listen, I've hurt a lot of people, too, and I apologize for that. And I'm sure maybe they tried to make amends and it didn't work out, but I just I don't hear that. And I think it is to call other people hypocrites for being Christians and sitting against you and hurting you. But, but I'm unaware of you acknowledging that, and these are the people. And I say you, I'm talking to the people who say these, who come out and say that they. I'm just unaware of it. I would love to see the reality, even if you're leaving a church and stuff like that or whatever, because you've experienced some some hurt. And that happens, and it's real, right? That happens. I mean, people leave closer relationships than people have at their church. People, you know. Listen, we just have to realize that this is this is a reality that we're going to be hurt. But I do think that have you considered that you've also hurt people, too? And have you have you made amends in that way? Have you gone? Are there people that have left the church because you've hurt them? Like we need to kind of consider that when we're thinking of how we've been offended and have we also offended others? And have we done everything that we can to make sure and go above and beyond that? So that's just one observation that I have for people. But another one I have is a little bit broader you know whatever your theological disposition is if you like me believe that people from genesis 3 inherited uh, a a sinful disposition because we define good and evil on our own apart from god that is a you can you can call what happened in in the garden of eden and them biting the fruit you can call it a pride or arrogance The reality is, is what Satan tempted Eve with was you'll be like God, deciding good and evil like God. That's what he said to her. They bit the fruit. And even she said, look, it does. It does. It is desired to make one wise. Right. They we all inherited from them biting the fruit. A definition of good and evil that is opposite of God's. And we have it from birth from the beginning, from Genesis four on, we see Cain killing Abel we see angels rebelling against god in genesis 6 to impregnate women we see after the flood ham sins against his father noah by having sex with his mom we see uh the tower of babel people not listening and, and god having their restricted languages we we see you know lot being kidnapped abraham uh, not waiting for the promise of god and having a child with hagar we see all the way up to to uh, Isaac being swindled by his uncle so that he has to marry both of his daughters. We see Joseph being sold by his brothers. We see Job, what happened to Job. I mean, you can go through the whole Bible and we see a, a culminating in Jesus, you know, being deserted by his closest friends, being crucified, right? All of this stuff is the reality. Like there is no, there's no narrative in a credible Bible translation that makes any claim that christians are not going to be sinned against just because we're christians and if you really take seriously the the put to death this and walk in a manner worthy and this and all those promise all that language from ephesians 4 and colossians 3 and and all the language of obedience in the new testament is there because it's because people are still going to be disobedient we're reminded how to act Romans 12, you know, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Those statements are there because we're going to be tempted to be overcome by evil. And I just want to say to you, if you've been church hurt and this is not I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive at all. I'm a pastor. I walk with people through these things and I'm trying I try to really help them. But if you are have, have you, if you've been hurt by others in the church, What did you expect? What did you expect? Like, yes, we are a community of people that are trying to honor the Lord, but we're not sinless in this life yet. And it is a high probability. I know as a pastor, I have sinned against people. I have been sinned against by people. Uh, I've sinned against my wife. She's sinned against me. I don't think I love anybody, humanly speaking, more than my family, my wife and my children and my mother. And I've sinned against all of them and they've sinned against me and we keep it moving. And I'm not saying that what what church hurt anyone has experienced doesn't require sometimes a separation. Maybe you need to leave that denomination or maybe you need to find a new local church. But fam, like, don't walk away from the Lord. There should be no hurt from anyone that makes you walk away from, like, eternal security, eternal relationship with God. Like, it's not, you know, It's just it's just the reality. Like there is no credible translation that tells you you're not going to be sometimes hurt even by people in the church. So and then, you know, what's interesting, too, is, you know, everyone's been hurt like everyone. You know, I wish I would see more people say, hey, I'm leaving the world because I keep getting hurt by these people in the world. I just don't see that. But I just, you know, I think it is suffering and persevering is 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 part of the the toughest things of christianity but there are commanded and they're ordained depending on your theology i believe that things are ordained in many ways that god has spoken these things and foreknew these things and has, has set these things in motion so that we could have crosses to carry if you do not have a cross to carry then you're not a follower of jesus and church hurt along with the other things that we go through in this life the the you know, stumble in various ways, as James 1, 2 through 4 talks about. It's a part of the cross that we carry. Like, you know, Paul says in Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present suffering is not worth being compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Sam, don't walk away from the church and, and miss out on that glory. That, you know, because, yes, we've all been hurt and it, and it's it's I, we hate it. Like, listen, I don't even like getting splinters, man. You know, and I don't even like getting splinters. I hate suffering. I hate pain. But don't walk away from the church because of that, fam. Like, really, you're talking about giving up everything eternally because some people hurt you horizontally in this life. And I'm not trying to belittle your suffering. I'm just saying we've all experienced it. And honestly, you've hurt other people, too. Don't walk away from the faith of that. Like, I think we're, we're, we're making, and again, this is going to sound, you know, maybe sound like I don't want it to be, but I think we're making a big deal out of being church hurt as if we're not going to ever experience that or as if we've never hurt anyone. It's just not true. The other group of people I want to talk to are believers, man, believers who hear about someone walking away from the faith and immediately go to, you know, 1 John 2, you know, if, you know, you you say this, well, they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. If they belonged for us, they wouldn't have remained with us. However, they went out so they made it clear that none of them belong to us. And so then you get into these no true Christian walks away from the faith and all that stuff. OK, so I just want to address this for a second. Just hold on for a second, fam. First of all, let's let's just be honest about the context of First John, the whole book, including that chapter two. The context First John is not just about the average everyday Christian life. Like John is writing to a group of believers in First John 1, 2 and 3. They're different different uh, people. You got in second John, you got writing to a woman and her son, and then in third John, uh, someone in Gaius, right? But they're they're all thought to be connected to churches that the apostle John frequented, right? So they call them the Johannine community is what they're typically called by most theologians. And in, in that in first john john is writing to a specific context he's not just talking about christians and just how he's writing to a group of believers who have experienced a secession like there are people that were in the church that have pulled away from orthodox teaching and are now teaching with authority some things that are all the opposite of what john and and, and others have taught when 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 uh, in acts 21, I think it's verses 29 and 30, when Paul said to the Ephesian elders that among you will rise savage wolves, like that will change the doctrine. So he didn't even, it wasn't even talking about outside. He said, people who will come up from your ranks within you will become savage wolves. And he talks about this also in 2 Timothy 4, where people will have itching ears wanting to hear what they want to hear. And so John is addressing that. He's addressing a, a group of believers who are trying to be swayed by other other fake Christians who have walked away from orthodox teaching, right? So when John says stuff like in chapter one, um, you know, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we are lies. If we confess, like he's saying all these things, and when he says stuff like the one who says I have come to know him in chapter two but who, he's comparing what these men are saying or these these fake apostles, these people who were with them, but then have walked away, have strayed away from orthodox teaching and are trying to teach these other Christians to do the same. Paul is, I mean, Paul, John is writing to a bunch of believers who are being affected by false teaching. He's not writing just to Christians who are struggling with their faith in and of itself. So when John talks about, you know, Children, chapter two, verse eighteen. This is the last hour, and you have heard that the antichrist is coming. And even now, many antichrists have come. By this we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but it did not belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out, so that it might be clear that none of them belonged to us. We treat that as if he's just talking about the typical believer that we hear say, "Man, they're no longer a Christian." And I get why you would apply this to them, but you have to look at the context. Paul. That's not what John. That's not John's audience. John's talking about the us are false teachers who used to be in the church, who are now who have walked away from false teaching, who are denying that Jesus is the Christ. And they're trying to convince others. This is why he says this in verse 26 of chapter two, just after that. that well, let me keep reading from where it was. I have not written you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? If not one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, this one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the father and the son. So he's talking about people who teach like these fake teachers, these, these fake believers, the secessionists who have done this. Right. Then he gets to verse 26 and he says, um, I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Right. So if you really look at what he's talking about, all the stuff that John is bringing up is counter. It's is counter to what they're being taught, you know, that, hey, you can you can love. You don't have to love your brother. There There's a guy named Diotrephes, I think, in, in Third John, who is trying to stop believers from coming in and helping you know restore the church. He's trying to stop them from doing that. So as John is writing this, John is not thinking of the Christian rapper who says he's no longer a Christian or he's agnostic. That's not who he's thinking of. And the Christians immediately go to these verses and it's almost as if like you don't even care that these people are walking away, quote unquote, walking away from the faith. Well, let's just be honest. All of us have a different journey. We all have different struggles and there are going to be times where you're going to be there are going to be times in your life where you probably felt like you were more mature in the Lord. Or there are going to be times that it seemed like easier to honor the Lord. Maybe now you're you're a new family and it's, you're busy. you got multiple kids and you're just tired. And you're not in the word as much and you just don't feel it the same way. Uh, You know, Jude 22 talks about have mercy on those who doubt. Right. There's this that's a reality. Even when in Matthew 28, when Jesus ascends, like what we call the Great Commission in verse 16, it says all the disciples gathered there to worship Jesus. But some doubted. Right. Like, that's just going to be a functional reality for us in this life. And not everyone who doubts dies a doubter. So I think we have to be careful when we immediately go to these verses and just dismiss them as not being genuine Christians. If someone dies as a non Christian, then I would say, yeah, okay, they were never with us. But Christianity is not measured by solely what happens it, that I'm, I'm aware of. Like, people persevere to the end. If I'm being honest, you're not proven to be a true Christian until you persevere to the end. Now, that doesn't mean we can't have confidence. Sure. I believe I'm a Christian because I've made a profession of faith and I'm trying to live according to that faith and honor the Lord. But I got to persevere to the end, though. You know, it's not like, oh, I made a profession and I'm good so now I can judge other people like you better be careful for when you jump to these verses quickly, because you haven't. There could be circumstances that happen in your life That tempts you and you say, Well, no genuine Christian will walk away. Right. But it's not proven that you're a genuine Christian until you persevere to the end. Only the Lord knows who's genuine. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying no one can have assurance of salvation. What I'm saying is we need to persevere to the end with that assurance and not judge other people who seemingly looking like they're falling off the wagon right now. Now, I'm not saying we need to coddle these people either. I honestly do believe some of these people like I, I said I'm, I'm I put this on Facebook the other day I'm all for being you know helping people work through some of the struggles in their faith based on June 22 and some other passages but some people are out here trying to be the apostles of apostasy so don't get me wrong I get some people are boasting and and liking it and I, I see that but I think we I see why first John 2 would be applied to them but I think we have to be careful we have to be careful I don't think that's the heart of the Lord to be dismissive in that way of people's. I don't think so. That's the Lord didn't tell us to do that. Paul, John is writing and explaining from his perspective that these false messiahs, these antichrists that are denying that Jesus is the father, that was what was going on. He was dealing with Gnosticism and Docetism and, Dossetism and, and some, other, some other theological categories that we don't really think about. He's not thinking of the average run-of-the-mill believer who's just struggling with their faith. There are people right now who have said that they're walking away from the faith that are going to return, that are struggling, and they're going to prodigal, and they're going to come back. And so we need to be careful when we immediately go to like 1 John 2 and ready to just dismiss everyone that's not a genuine believer and stop imposing you know, the tulip perseverance of the saints theology on everything, like People are in, have journeys man and some people struggle. Some people struggle and they come back. I got I first got saved in February of 1990. first got saved. I didn't have a lot of discipleship. I didn't I, the church that I was in was good for what it was, but it couldn't really take me to it just didn't have the kind of discipleship I needed. I fell back. I was really popular in school. I played sports. I fell back, I started having sex again. I was just back in the world. And that lasted for about seven years. I graduated high school and I was on the pound. I was in the streets selling drugs, being in shootouts, you know, been locked up a little bit. I had a lot. My life was just really a street dude. And then after all of that, after getting locked up for facing multiple felonies for a shootout, I'd gotten in shortly after that. Man, I recommitted my life to the Lord. And that was in 1999. And now 23 years later, and it was was this month, actually, it was January of 1999 that I recommitted my life to the Lord. And it was 23 years ago that now I've been a pastor now for 13 of those 23 years. I still got to persevere to the end. But like everybody who says they're walking away and struggling doesn't always stay away. So I think you got to be careful, man. First John 2 is not talking about the context that we're talking about. He's referring to false teachers who are teaching these people. That's why he says in First John four, you got to test the spirits. Test the spirits, like what spirit? Because people are teaching things. What spirit are they teaching in? How are they talking? Is it consistent with the orthodox theology that you have? He's not talking about some Christian rapper that you like that is now saying he's agnostic. You know those people, man. Who knows what's happening in their lives? They could be right back two, three years from now. So anyway, just some thoughts on church hurt. I'm, I'm not here to try to you know say everything and smooth everything out these are just i'm mean, just going to get my visceral thoughts about some of these things and as i'm processing them so i appreciate you listening this is black ice podcast by kirk kennedy new substack article coming this week uh exposing the challenge that what would jesus do wwjd how it paved the way for a lot of the animosity in the church that we're seeing happen, even those who are using 1 John 2 as like a battering ram to to highlight other people who seemingly seem like they're walking away from the faith. All right. See you guys soon. Thanks for listening.